From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-soda. We kind of go a little bonkers. No, we dig into things that we've been watching recently. I'm Terry. And I am Mary Beth, and this is Liquid Death Severed Lime. And this <laughs> week we're talking about an incredible prequel, <laughs> Siblings and Demons, a horrendous docuseries, and some weird space creatures. Weird space creatures. Oh, jeez. Before we jump in, I just want to provide a quick update <laughs> on my cat. Because I know that everyone is waiting with bated breath about Zucchini's yes. health. Um, dramatic King. So this man decided um, on Monday morning at 7.30 o'clock in the morning. Jesus, mother of God, I can't speak. Um, 7.30 in the morning when his automatic dispenser goes off that it is fucking time to go. So he jets out. And we we deduced this after, after the effect, but sprints out from underneath a chair in our bedroom, lets out the worst howl I've ever heard him let out. Uh, long story short, he bruised his butt or leg somehow, but when he went to the vet, <laughs> he uh, just acted like he wasn't hurting whatsoever. Uh, so we spent five hours and $300 to find out that our cat's a drama queen. 
And now he's strung out on kitty opioids in our living room. And he's having a great time. So uh, that's what's going on with my cat. Um, Postponed a recording for us because drama came. I'm from 1 p.m. to 6.15 p.m. was in the (gasps) emergency vet with this cat, like, paranoid he was dying. He wasn't. He just bruised himself getting too excited for breakfast. Oh, man. Such an idiot. (laughs) But... A lovable idiot boy. Idiot son. Well, let's start things off on a a movie with a good with a good girl in it. Um, let's talk about this incredible prequel. This incredible prequel is Prey. Yeah. Oh my gosh! It is our uh, latest Predator film. It is a prequel set in the 1700s, directed by Dan Trachtenberg of Ten Cloverfield Lane fame, and it stars. Nauru, played by the incredible Amber Midthunder, uh, a Comanche warrior who discovers that there is a predator uh, about stalking and killing things. And it's about her trying to protect uh, her village and her family and herself and her fucking badass dog, who is the best dog. The best girl. This movie fucking rules. (laughs) Fucking rules. Like, this is I saw someone talking about this on Twitter and I cannot remember who said it and I'm so sorry if you're a listener I apologize but they're like this is how you do prequels like take these villains and and like villains creatures things that kind of exist outside of our time and space and put them in different time periods and see how people interact like this is a movie it's the Comanche tribe it is indigenous representation there is it's there's a Comanche dub for the film, but there is a lot of Comanche in the film that also has English dialogue, which is great. And, I mean, good lord. This is how you do it. I mean, how you do it being a prequel, it being rep- like representation in horror, it being like how you just revitalize a franchise that's entries have not been great. Like, it just checks all those boxes. It's, it, is, it is very, very good. I was incredibly excited to see how well done it was, to see how how much it honors the the, the first Predator movie and the second Predator movie to to some right? extent. With uh, there's some callbacks that obviously geeks are going to go, "Ooh, that's really cool!" And there's a couple Easter eggs, like there's a pistol that I was like, I was yeah. getting, I was freaking out over when I saw it. So there's like little bits of, of Easter eggs there. But what I really liked about it is that it's. Because I'm, I'm not a fan of prequels, and we'll, you'll hear about this a little bit on Monday when we talk to our guest as well. But I'm not a huge fan of them because it's like it's a story that we don't really necessarily need. It's backstory. It might be, you know, character backstory a lot of times. There might be stuff that is it is not central to the plot being told, and it just feels a little repetitive. This did not because while it is a prequel and because it's set beforehand, it doesn't really... I don't know. It doesn't really feel like it's explaining, overly explaining, you know, the the origins of the creature or whatever the case may be. And I, but I also love that this movie sort of a little bit, not as much as as what happens with between like Arnold and this time period, but it sort of takes back the, the technology for the Predator as well yes, in such a fantastic I love way. That. I just I oh. love being able to see. Oh, this is what you know predators 300 years before they would eventually run into Arnold and his crew, what their technology looked like. It's still way more advanced than anything we have, but it's like, you still can see that there was, Oh, 
this is what would eventually become this, and this is what eventually would become this, and the the skull cap that he wears is so fucking badass. Yeah. I don't know. The Predator looked more like feral in this movie. It definitely did, and I get like that was something that, that I really really liked that it's not having the same Predator we've always seen with the same tricks. Yeah. It's oh, this is what like the Predator is a species like humans and while they are more evolved than humans they're also still evolving like us they aren't a pinnacle of like a pinnacle of something they're not at a perfect form mm-hmm. it's this really interesting showing of the evolution of a creature that i don't think we get enough of i think we just get that usually that one form i mean yeah we'll have like jason in different masks and like stuff like that but you don't see like with aliens and things this kind of cool evolution in alien you do a little bit because you obviously see the actual evolution of the alien but here it's the technological side yeah and i just really that's badass it's just badass and like to all the haters out there saying a woman with like a axe can't beat a predator suck my ass arnold schwarzenegger only beat them only beat the predator in the first movie with traps and stuff like shut up shut up this everyone talking about how this movie is either so woke and that's a problem or that it's a mary that that she is a mary sue i'm like you obviously don't understand what a mary sue is because she fails a lot she charges into situations that she wouldn't have. She's headstrong and it backfires. She does she does things that are not, you know, successful, but she learns and she realizes that she is not going to be able to go toe to toe with it and is able to use her smarts to outwit it in the same way any good hero does in any of these Predator movies where they are outgunned and outmatched and out everything you have to learn how to adapt and that is what she does and i so hearing that in particular just like it burns my it like gets me so angry because people said the same thing about ray from uh star wars right that oh she's just a mary sue and i'm like no <laughs> you wouldn't be saying this if it was luke in the same situation because it was luke in the same situation and no one seemed to have a problem that it it just burns my chaps. And like it being woke, I'm sorry, does just having and badass indigenous people on screen scream woke to you? Like that should just be a a thing. It's not trying to like cram anything down your throat. Like who gives a sh- like and that's just so frustrating in seeing that people think woke is like putting a indigenous woman in a movie. Like that's not it's it's just like the way that representation should work in movies like sure if that's what you think woke is but it's not trying to like push some weird identity politics down your throat it's trying to be like look this is some badass shit that you can do in horror movies and check these boxes and make something really awesome and respectful like it's a very possible thing and it can go on hulu and be incredibly successful i mean it just hit like the what the most successful premiere they've ever had on the platform, which just makes me sad it wasn't in theaters. Like again, I understand it, and I'm glad that people could see it I on would Hulu. Love to see like this that's in that thing of being able. But fuck, this would be so good in a theater. Like just the some of the action set pieces in this. I mean, Jesus, the fucking predator fights a goddamn grizzly bear. I mean, come on. That scene where he's holding it above him and the blood oh, is drenching down and you can start to see his form through it. That's the, the only the only part of this movie that is a little bit difficult is the CGI with the animals, the animal but also CGI at the same time. is a little like, rough. It's a little rough. But I feel that way about most animals but that also are like, CG. Yeah, it's not it's not like abysmal, but it's it definitely is a little bit jarring yeah, when it's like great. 
especially the, bear. the, 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 yeah. the lion was it a lion the cat oh yeah the, the giant like mountain lion yeah so like the budget shows a little like, it's like it's interesting that like the budget shows a little bit there um because a lot of the predator like is practical but there are parts when you're you know he's obviously in the the cloaking technology that isn't always also like the best but hulu lower lower ish budget i guess you know you do what you can you do what you can i do have a question okay what do you think his penis looks like just in undies <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying he could get it that's all i'm saying <laughs> that's, all, that's that's all i'm saying and i'm just i'm curious is it like a yo predator what that mouth do <laughs> girl but is it i mean or is it like is it like you know shape of water Wait. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking What's like a that? little opening. That's like a. <laughs> What's that? It's like a shadow puppet. That the gif oh. of, of from. I think that's. I'm like looking at the gif trying to mim- mimic it. It's like. Oh oh oh! Uh, from with Sally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Hands hard. Is it? How do I do? I thought it was like opening. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How how does that how does that work? I'm I'm just saying, but also the actor that plays the predator. I mean, he's very attractive. I just posted in chat. He's a he has a um he has biceps. Oh wow! Okay, arms. Mm. What those arms do? I'm just saying. I you know. What? <laughs> hey, yo, boy, what them arms do? Oh wow, he plays a lot of monsters. Mm-hmm. I think he's probably a very physical actor. Mm. Oh. If you, know, if you know what I mean. <laughs> he was in Sweet Home. You saw Sweet Home, right? I haven't seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Also, was her brother Tabe? Yeah. Tabe. Dakota Be- Dakota Beavers. He's a very attractive man. And uh, on that note, let's talk about your movie that you brought with you. What am I saying? I don't even fucking know. Siblings and Demons. What movie is this? Right. This is a movie by written and directed by Perry Blackshear, who is a writer and director, and he did um, They Look Like People and did The Siren. And we are, spoiler alert, kind of, we're going to talk with the director. We've already recorded it. It's going to come out the week after this movie comes out. And I originally felt a little gauche trying to talk about this movie, even though we're, you know, we're interviewing him. But this movie, I think, is is kind of special. It surprised the heck out of me. Um, it is about a pair of siblings who um, have had a rough life. And the, uh, the sister is being stalked by something, someone, and has been uh, her entire life. And she is a fighter. Her brother is uh, kind of like anxious and scared in his own skin. And between the two of them, they have to try to come together and fight back against whatever is stalking um, the sister. And it's a very powerful movie that is rooted in a lot of guilt and a lot of um, pain, a lot of trauma, as the two have, like, you know, kind of had to rely on each other um, for their entire child life and also in their adult life. And they've had a messy time when the movie opens. The sister, uh, Daphne, is trying to 
adopt and the adoption person is like, hey, so you had a rough 20s and you were here before in the 20s and in, in your 20s and we turned you down then what's changed now? And it's like this this very rough mediation on struggling to do right and trying to survive when the world seems willing to just tear out your throat. And it's um, it can be it's an emotional movie. There's one part about like at the very I think I think it's maybe the inciting incident almost it's about eight, 15 to 18 minutes in and it is um, a harrowing moment and it just, I don't know, this movie really affected me in in a, in a lot of ways. I think it's something that we, we've seen a lot of films that kind of deal with t- childhood trauma as adults and trying to unpack it, but this one felt very, I don't know, authentic and the chemistry between the brother and sister is just it's phenomenal. And then there is a character actor turned by um, McLeod Andrews, who I really enjoyed in a movie called a ghost waits. And he brings such chaotic energy at one point in this film that it's just like, it just revitalizes the film once it starts to feel very heavy. And I don't know, it's, it's a really special movie and the embargo is up today as this episode drops and the movie comes out a week from today. And then that following week we'll be talking with the director. So I really recommended yeah. it. Yeah, and Perry Blackshear is a really talented director. Yeah. I I think he has kind of a similar trajectory to Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead in terms of making these really beautiful emotional horror movies that mm-hmm. are scary but also intimate. Tap Yeah, they're very intimate and tap into kind of like the human condition and like a, a much more kind of like contemplative horror that is good at balancing scares and like examination of people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the siren, which they, which he did was one as a really, is a really good, as I think if you like spring, you like it's the siren. It's a romance horror movie and it's beautiful. And then he did, uh, they look like people. So he's just really got a knack for that type of horror. So highly recommend if you like the works of Benson and Moorhead and like kind of more maybe intimate relationship horror movies. Definitely this one. This one and all of his work, his three films are, are for you. Yeah. yeah. Pivoting maybe hard because I don't really know what this is. What is this horrendous docu-series? So... I say horrendous not because of how it was made, but the subject matter. Uh, this is the most hated man on the internet, which is a okay. docu series on Netflix, which is about um, human cesspool Hunter Moore, who made the revenge porn site "Is Anyone Up?" And the docu series documents how Hunter Moore kind of rose to popularity when the scene aesthetic vibe what the scene scene kind of was rising and so this is when i i was in the younger end of this but this was like with myspace and the emo like emo screamo band scene was kind of on the rise and so i was growing up a little bit a little bit more on the tail end but in high school i was kind of in this that that world i wanted to be seen i was not seen but i wanted to be like a cool kid with like a lip ring and cool hair but Hunter Moore was a product of this, and his site, Is Anyone Up, was a place where people could submit their own nudes, but then it became people started submitting other people's nudes uh, to get revenge. And so it spirals into this horrendous website where he's, like, they're doxing women, and, like, women's nudes are being posted, and it's just absolute. it's, like, your worst fucking nightmare, especially, like, when the internet is new, and, like, you're 
thinking you're said like sending photos to someone you can trust and then they, you know, use them against you. And so it's setting that context and then and then documents like how he gets taken down. Because fun fact, revenge porn in like the late aughts, early 2010s was not illegal on the federal or state level. So you could do this. And if the person was of age, it was not illegal. And there was nothing you could do to get it taken Holy down. shit, I didn't know that. Uh, neither did I until I watched this fucking show. So, like, this guy's ruining lives and a woman, a woman's daughter gets posted on the site and she decides, like, fuck this dude. Like, she's a, she's a rich white woman married to an attorney. So she has these resources and privilege to be like, fuck this dude, which is great. But it's an interesting kind of look at that dynamic, mm-hmm. too, of, like, who gets to get justice? Right. A lot of people interviewed in this are women who... Like, one woman was a sex worker who got ridiculed on the site because she was trying to make money to, like, raise her kid. And she was doing some, like, stuff online to try to, like, generate income. And then she lost custody of her kid because of the site and, like, all this crazy shit. And so this woman comes in and is able to try to help victims, which is great. But, again, it's because she's a rich white lady who has these this privilege. And, you know, Hunter sees himself saw himself as Charles Manson. Like, he called himself Charles Manson. Ew. And, like, wanted people... Like, he's just... It's disgusting. Like, it's... When I say horrendous, it's disgusting. Like, he's human trash. Like, this guy has no remorse for what he did. Like, didn't care. He's like, I want to fuck bitches. I want bitches to snort coke off my boner. And they would. Like, women were obsessed with him. And so, like, it feeds off of this, like, it's disgustingly misogynistic time period on the internet. And in a very kind of chauvinist, misogynist group of people like again it was very focused in, like this alt scene community um and so it's just like absolutely gross and so the show it, d- documents how terrible a person he is and how hard it was taken down the only like the show shows how he only got taken down because they could prove that something he did was illegal not because of the site but because of how he got someone to hack into people's emails to steal their nudes um, so that's how he got caught, but it took years and like, they couldn't take things like you couldn't take anything down. Even if he requested it, he'd laugh at people. He, I mean, it's terrible. Like this guy is uh, the most repulsive person. <clears throat> she thinks so too. And so it's three episodes. It's, um, like a little less than 60 minutes each. And it's just a really, uh, especially if you are of my generation who grew up like we're like teenagers or young adults with MySpace and the internet and kind of this like I was I was sending nudes in high school don't arrest me I was a dumb kid whatever and so like this was like my worst nightmare so watching this like watching it now and being like and having had something similar like that happen to me not to like the extreme of a website but having someone circulate like gr- like explicit photos of me to people like it's fucked and it's just terrifying and it just makes you it made me feel so gross because this guy is just like scum of the he earth he sounds kind of like um the girls gone wild guy yeah because that yeah, would have yeah, been yeah. my Similar. that would have been my my generation in yeah. terms of like mm-hmm. i think that started in like 97 or 98 somewhere around there and that would have been when i was hitting high school at that point i would have been like gosh it sophomore junior in high school i think when that when that started and that was uh i mean this is this sounds <laughs> much worse in in a lot of regards but it's still the same kind of these douchebag men profiting off of women sexuality nudity and that kind of shit 
Yeah, and like it was interesting because they had a guy that had his nudes put on there too, which oh, is really? interesting because a lot of, I mean, obviously, like a, a majority of the victims of the site were women, but there were some men too. Like it's just like it, it's just. If you want to watch something about dirtbag internet times, I mean, this is the one to watch. And it's, I was telling Steve when we were watching it, it's so interesting to see documentaries made about this time when I was growing up. But you know, like, because I'm younger, I'm 29. And so a lot of documentaries are usually filmed like about things took place like maybe even a couple years before I was like really engaged in that like zeitgeist. But this one is like so directly part of my... I don't really know about Hunter Moore, but like my age experience, like that experience with the internet at a young age, it's just like, Jesus Christ, like how much, like we're going to get so much more of this stuff and it's just so fucked up. Like how much the internet has exacerbated these horrendous tendencies of humanity. It's, it's wild. Um, yeah, it's, you're going to watch it and be very angry. Like this guy is repulsive. The things he said, the things he's done, his attitude about women, like, it's disgusting. So, yeah, if you want to watch a real life horror story, <laughs> the most hated man on the internet, uh, yeah, it's fucked. So, oh. good times. <laughs> good times. Uh, shifting away from, like, actual horrendous human creatures to silly, like, qu- almost cute, creepy space creatures, we're back on horror comedies. And what movie did we watch uh, for our gor- glorious return, uh, Jerry? It doesn't get any better. We watched Critters from 1986. We watched Critters! A movie that I, I personally find both... It straddles the line between horror comedies so perfectly because there are some moments in this that... Um, I still even now find incredibly um, anxiety driven. There's a, even though these creatures are small little puffballs with fangs, they st- there's a couple of scenes in this movie that I still find quite frightening, to be perfectly honest, in terms of like the viciousness of it. And then that's coupled by creatures getting blasted by a shotgun and the other one saying fuck and one getting lit on fire. I- was losing my goddamn mind when he's like, they got weapons, so what? And then he gets his ass blown away with the shotgun and he just goes, fuck! He's just... <laughs> and another one, he gets lit on fire and he goes zooming off into the bathroom and pops into the toilet and goes, ah. Like, it just straddles that line between horror and comedy. Because I, I do find that a lot of times when you have horror comedies, you either have horror comedies or you have horror comedies. Yes. And I do feel this yes. one kind of straddles that middle line, but I, I also have a lot of history with this movie, and I know you don't. So I'm curious, what was your experience with this movie? So I I knew this much yeah. about this movie. Well, okay, I knew a little bit more, because I knew what they looked like. So what's, but it, I, I did not, what's it about, I guess? Oh. Okay, so Critters is about a uh, an alien species called the Krite. Is it the, the Krite? Krite? The Krite? Uh-huh. Who escape Show from... Show me the Krites. <laughs> Show me the crates. Escape from a ship and steal their most powerful ship and escape to Earth. And then, so then two bounty hunters are assigned to go find the crate and destroy them because the crate are uh, a, a, a problem. 
I did not know the Krai were actually aliens. I thought I thought it was like a gremlin situation. <laughs> they just kind of like were like little monsters. I didn't know that they were aliens at the beginning. I was like, I'm sorry, is this the right movie? Am I watching Star like, Wars? I was texting. Well, I was texting Terry. I was like, I'm sorry, what is happening? Because the first like couple minutes are nothing like the rest of the movie in terms of like it's on a spaceship in space. I was like, what? It looks is like rejects happening? from a Star Wars yeah. movie. Like it looks like it a kind of rip off it, it, like basement barn. Uh, asylum level yes. alien like this is like there's a guy that's in a floating thing and he he looks like he yes. should be serving Jabba the Hutt really uh, it, exactly and the bounty hunters have like weird like no faces and that they, they morph into other people but so the Krite land in like small town America and on a farm or in like a farm town and the tone switches pretty quickly to the Krite just start fucking decimating everybody and the bounty hunters are looking for them and also decimating everybody. And there is a bowling tournament uh, and Dee Wallace is a bad bitch and Billy Zane gets... Billy uh, Zane is in this movie with hair. With hair. So I definitely went into this movie thinking I was like, okay, it's going to be like a Gremlins situation. I I expected a Gremlins situation. It's called Critters. They're, They're small little fuzzy things. I was just like associated them. It, this is Gremlins grown up. Mm. And much more intense, which is saying a lot, though, because Gremlins is intense. I know like, mm-hmm. I, I love Gremlins, but this is like Gremlins, but with creatures with even more intelligence, like even more intelligence and malice in their hearts mm-hmm. um, and a lot more fucked up teeth mm-hmm. when they're just rolling around like little dust bunnies, like towards the house. I was cackling. I was like, I am both scared and can't stop laughing at these stupid fucking things. They're incredible. They're both kind of cute and scary as shit. I love them. I love them. And they take such sick glee in everything that they do. They do! They're just so They're gross. so horrible. So and I love them. They're so mean. I love them. It's also like a home invasion movie. It is a home invasion. So I also really love because like there's a little bit of a wider story with like the bounty hunters but a lot of it is on this farm with this family of four who are trying to survive all four together. And that's so interesting because a lot of the time in these movies like the family unit doesn't function that well together. And here, you know, they ha- they have their mishaps, but they're a generally pretty cohesive family unit, especially when, like, the shit hits the fan and everyone starts, like, like kind of, like, pitching in to, to, to save things and help. Like, they're all pretty good as a unit. And I was actually pretty surprised by that. It's, like, one of the better horror families I think I've seen in the genre. Like, one of the more, like, happy's not the right word, but, like, kind of maybe functional they also feel kind of grounded and real like it does feel like a real family Uh, because i mean particularly like the the dad is a little bit of a hard ass but you can tell he has a heart of gold the mom is like you know laughing at the kid for trying to call in sick and with a thermometer in the sink which i've done 106 degrees (laughs) and like the kid and the sister don't get along and you know so this i don't know it, it feels it feels it feels really authentic, and so when when the alien invasion happens, it feels like it's your family in a way. Yeah, and like which again is a really interesting tonal shift because like at one point there's even a fucking like music video scene where they're singing a song, and I'm just like, what is? And that, again, that was what I was sec- I was texting Terry like, what is happening? Like, what is this movie? I don't understand. And then it change it changes pretty quickly um, into a little bit more like tense, but it's it's very it's wild in a great way. I had a very good time also, watching. This. I'll just say I'm. I think the I think the the bounty hunters are are non-binary. 
because and it doesn't happen so much in this movie, but in the the sequel, if I remember correctly, I thought it happened in this movie, but in the sequel, one of the um, the bounty hunters uh, sees a picture of a porn star and turns into a, a woman. Uh, oh. I'm gonna say these are non-binary uh, bounty hunters. Yeah, because like, was it what like, he tra- one of them tries to transform and they're like nothing likes yeah. me or like nothing will take mm-hmm. me like they're trying to pick a form and they're just like pick a mm-hmm. form like a passable human form and it is really i didn't think about that but yeah i also just love that the one picks a rock star and becomes right here band it just J- bon- john bon jovi wannabe incredible. played by terrence mann who i recognized from 30 rock Wow. He's in an episode of 30 Rock playing Bob Ballard, who is a real person, but not in 30 Rock. He does kind of look like Bob Ballard. <laughs> All right. I see it. <laughs> I also will say, there's a... Do we care about spoilers oh, for no. this movie let's, let's from 1986? Okay, so there's a part at the end that's really fucking impressive. Their house is blown up, and then it reconstructs, and it's all done practically, uh-huh. and it's the coolest thing it's I've so ever cool. seen. I was like, wait, what the fuck? Like, it, it is absolutely incredible how they piece this house back together. It's been blown to pieces by the, like, by the... The, the crates, um, which I thought was so fucking hilarious, where they take off from their ship, and they stop to blow the house up, sort of like a big, fuck you, as they're flying back off to space yeah. before they blow up. But it's such a... It's incredible. And so the house is in splinters, and the bounty hunters gave them a fun little device... And they click on it, and it makes the house come back together. Cute, kind of cheesy ending, but the way that it's Very done impressive. is incredible. Very impressive. And the cat lives. I the, All four family and members live, and the cat. I was like, 10 out of 10. Incredible movie. Still very tense. Still Chewy. very gross. That dad gets... That, that dad gets eaten to shit by the gritter. When if when and if we cover this movie on the main feed, because I still am hoping I will tell my scarred for life story about this movie because this movie did affect me. But I'm I'm not going to share it until we get a guest on one day. I mean, I'm surprised no one has yet. It's pretty. I can see someone thinking, oh, yeah, this is like a Gremlins movie. It looks like, like it's made for kids. I mean, it's PG-13, but it's made us look it like does, it, made, like, it's yeah, made, it looks like it's kids movie. It, it looks like, a, like, a, like exactly. And again, I think the Gremlins mm-hmm. factor as well. Because when was when was Gremlins? Yeah, it was. I, I was going to say, I know it was before this one. I didn't know how old. And I mean, the, yeah, the Gremlins did spawn yeah, off a whole 84. lot of these types of movies, you know, Critters and Ghoulies and that kind of stuff. But this is definitely one that is considered, you know, yeah. we got to rush this to production because Gremlins was such a big hit. It's just, uh, I don't know. You can. I, I think that the the Krites have a similar sense sensibility to the Gremlins, but they're. I think they're a little bit more meaner, and they can get away with a little bit more. Like I was cackling again when yeah. when the one said "fuck." Like it's like, oh yeah, <laughs> they cuss. Fuck. <laughs> also, this is directed by Stephen Herrick, who did Bill and Ted's Excellent yeah. Adventure, the Glenn Close, a hundred and one Dalmatians movie. The first Mighty Ducks movie and Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, The Three Musketeers, and Mr. Holland's Obit. Yeah. <laughs> this man has done so many fucking movies. Yeah. And I mean, the, the sequel also, it was directed by Mick Garris, written by Mick, Mick Garris oh, and right. David Twohey, Twohey uh, who uh, wrote Pitch Black and 
Riddick and the Fugitive and G.I. Jane is that's the sequel. Uh, and Lynn Shane is in Critters for she a little is. bit. As She's Sally. hilarious. She's reading the National Enquirer at one point, and she says, oh, this says that John Travolta used to be a waitress. Because <laughs> like, there's so many like rumors about John Travolta back in the day. National Enquirer, man. Her brother, her brother was a producer. Yeah. Bob Shea. Um, Unfortunately, I think that's how she got in a lot yeah. of movies at that at that stage in her career. Oh, yeah. Nepotism, but I love her anyway. Oh, yeah. You know what? Whatever. And now she's a cool icon, so whatever. One funny part that really cracked me up, though, on this rewatch was when um, the sister is making out with, with Billy Zane in the uh, the barn, and the, the krites fly over, and the place shakes, and she's like, the earth moved. And he's like, already? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> I was if it was Billy Zane, and he was making out with Billy Zane. I'm like, yeah, baby, the earth moved. Whatever, whatever you want to say, you're just doing it, because let's just keep kissing. I love it. She's like, we're going out for a drive and he just, just wants to fuck in the barn and she's like drags. I'm like, I also, but I just love it when in these movies you see a, a woman mm-hmm. like dragging a guy up there because you don't see a lot of like women being yeah. sexually forward in movies from this period. So I was like, hell yeah, girl, you get that consensual dick from Billy saying. Get it, girl. <laughs> get it, girl. But yeah, I'm so glad I watched Critters. I loved it. it it's so much fun. so good. And it's so fun. So very, very good time. The first two are really good. Um, I barely remember the third one, other than the fact that it has Leo DiCaprio in it. Oh, didn't know that. Yeah. Cool. And then they go to space in one. But, I mean... Which makes more I sense guess, for this franchise yeah, than any of the other ones. Say, but. Uh, that does that does kind of make sense here. But yeah, so we're back for horror comedies. So what are we watching mm-hmm. next week for a little cuts? Oh, I'm really excited for this one. We are chatting aliens and zombies and parasites. Oh my, we're chatting Night of the creeps I'm which so excited. is an influential horror film i would say for eventually hopefully when we get to the 2010s and we talk about slither 2010s 20s zeros words when did slither come out 2006 oh, oh okay. shit okay. 2006 yeah yeah, yeah. okay uh-huh Ots, Jesus, not the tens wild what is time but fake, yeah fake. oh and who are we talking with on Monday, Mary Beth? I'm very excited for this one. Oh, I am so very excited because we're chatting with the writer, with writer and director William Brent Bell. He is the mind behind iconic aughts slasher film Stay Alive, uh, as well as The Boy. And his latest film is The Bunkers Orphan First Kill, prequel to the 2009 film Orphan. And he brought with him a movie I'd never heard of before, but it's fucked up. It's called The Other from 1972. Not The Others, The Other, 1972, which uh, is a film that more people need to fucking see. We need to make this film become a thing in 2022 because I, again, like you, had never even heard of it. And I was really glad when they had reached out about this film that they said, not to be confused with Nicole Kidman movie, The Others, because that's immediately what I went to. But no, this movie is awesome. And no one knows yeah, about it. Yeah, it's awesome. So More people need to talk about this film. So come for us talking about Orphan First Kill and stay for us talking about an, under, uh, an underrated 1972 gem that has that the horror genre ha- owes a lot to we think talk about legacy yeah. yes the horror genre owes a lot to this movie so uh but also I, I mean we unfortunately cannot talk about orphan first kill because the embargo isn't up yet yeah i will just say we're talking with the director so we only talk with people that we like 
Yeah. That's one of the benefits of us. So, so uh, take that. Take that as you take will. Take that as you will. Maybe we'll talk about it next Friday when we're able to. But we are talking with the director. So. Yeah. So percolate on that one, y'all. So that about does it for this week's Little Cuts, everybody. You've heard from us. We want to hear from you. Have you watched anything that we have watched and have thoughts? Do you have suggestions for more horror comedies for us to watch? Let us know um, through email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And I will echo this because we do have a movie coming up that we're going to be talking about because someone on Instagram messaged us about this movie. So if you do message us about movies and tell us this is a movie we want you to cover, we will do it. We will do it. Fuck around and find also, out. It'll be coming up. So if you've messaged us about a movie, it we're, we're getting to. We just haven't gotten to the year yet. So and for, uh, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scar Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. We are sitting at 98 ratings and reviews. We're almost to that 100. We're almost please there. Please get us there. Get us there. Please. And also subscribe to us on YouTube if you haven't. We yeah. put these videos out every week now with the Little Cuts video recordings. So check them out. They're fun. Mm-hmm. We can see us be crazy. And also we, add, we keep things in that we don't always put in the audio. So bonus content, baby. It's a little bit more of a raw footage. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, thanks, Eric Powers, for the artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there, but most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.